welcome to Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards. And as you know, this is the podcast where we're looking for ideas and inspiration to help us take that first step or that next step, basically to get unstuck and get out of our own way and cover a wide range of topics. And I've had several musicians on in the past. We had Jeremy Boyum from the, he's the bass player for Shadow of Wales. And he just relentlessly connects with fans. Really impressed me just with the way he reaches out to people. We had John and Christian, also known as Pat and Skull from JT Music. Again, two guys that just create an amazing connection with their fans and they're relentlessly putting out music. And we also had Rocket and Vinny from Rocket Gaming. And that is the connection there, that that these are all super nice, excuse me, super nice guys putting out great quality stuff and relentless about it and with a special emphasis on how they are connecting with people. And I see the strong connection between being a musician, being an entrepreneur, um, and I think lessons apply to both. I mean, as a musician, you are your own boss. You deliver a product and service. You have to build relationship with customers. You have to market yourself. You have employees and support staff. You've got to deal with everything. And so today's guest, very, very excited about. This one's uh, been a couple months in the building, and it is uh, Tuomas Ranakari and uh, Tomas, I know I mispronounced that because we were just talking about it. But um, anyway, he is the violinist for the Finnish folk metal band Corpiklani. And among other things, also a composer and ethnomuseologist. I can't even pronounce that one. And uh, working on finishing up PhD. Uh, Tomas, you started playing violin when you were six. You studied and played classical blues, progressive rock, free jazz, world music, indigenous music, and even metal on your violin. And I don't know if that even starts to scratch the surface of all you've done. Can you just give us a a quick rundown on who you are and what you're up to? Anything I didn't cover? Uh, Okay. (laughs) It's it's always a kind of a big task for me to to start to unravel my own history because I basically live four or five lives and uh and music is is the sort of the connective tissue in in the all all of my activities but uh there are so many different things that i do around music um being an ethnomusicologist is a big thing uh studying indigenous cultures and studying our own ancestry here in finland and what music meant for people uh, on ancient times and how music was used as a technology, not not just as a form of entertainment, but as a technology for for improving the life of of, uh, your community. And um, so basically the four lives, one is being a violinist, which alone includes many different kind of projects. Korpiklani is the most well-known internationally, and then my own solo project called Shaman Violin, which is based on the archived um, songs of, of, of uh, shamans from the Arctic area, from all over the Arctic area. So, so those, uh, those things are the most meaningful for myself as a violinist, then there's the PhD that you mentioned, which is linked to the same idea. I'm studying uh, the dialogue that the shamans 
example, I, I treat the shamans as, as musicians. You know, many of the performances are, are musical performances. So in those songs that they sing, there are forms of dialogue with the, with the uh, unseen forces and the mythical entities. And that dialogue is, is in focusing on my PhD. And um, I'm a founding member in a theater ensemble called Ruska Ensemble, which, which collaborates with the indigenous people all over the Arctic areas. And uh, we have a quite high profile in, in Finland. We, we uh, collaborate with our national theater in Helsinki as our primary performance space so so that's kind of a big thing and the fourth is uh, revitalizing traditions and maybe the most meaningful thing that I've done is that I've taught people to cry we have this uh, cry song lament tradition here in, in Finland which is actually a global tradition that was a musical way for people to help overcome the, the anxiety, grief, and pain in rites of passage. So uh, I've uh, had the honor to, to bring that tradition back to life in our modern society. So those are the successful ones. And if we, if we leave the unsuccessful ones that take the 90% of my time, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, th- I think we are sort of like into something interesting. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, you, you touch on something just amazing there because you do have so much going on and it's such, it's so broad and wide ranging. And, and yet, yes, that there are these things going on in the background that we all have that don't quite play out the way we think they're going to play out. Oh, yeah. And- <laughs> and, and, and all these things, um, and, and I love that because it's real world. You know, in today's social media world, it's easy to focus just on on the shiny and what looks successful and the temporary. And so I, I love that you're <laughs> you're willing to connect and admit, and you know, you got all this other stuff going on on top of the things that are working out and are going really well. And you know, what one of the things I wanted to ask you about is the idea of following your passion. And, and I think I think of musicians as people who, who do that because it seems like it would be so difficult to get proficient if you weren't passionate about it. And I yeah, think a that's, lot... That's absolutely true. And, and not only to, to get good enough to play, but I mean, this is a crazy profession. Like, like if you're not in it for your own passion, you just simply won't survive because uh, 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 this is the most unpredictable profession to, to have and, <laughs> and most random. There's no, there's no guaranteed ways of, of, of making it in this business. So at the end of the day, what do you have is that did you follow your passion or did you not, you know? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, that well, you know, and, and some people I think get stuck, you know, thinking they have to find like there's this one true passion out there waiting for them, yeah. and they don't know how to move forward until they find it. They don't want to move forward, and then I, I hear the other side of it where people will say, "Yeah, what you're passionate about is great, but you know, better to find something 
that you can do that's steady and, you know, use that to fund your passion on the side. But but clearly that's not the path you followed. You you found what you were good at. You found what you were passionate about and, and you've persisted. And, and let's talk about the, the craziness and unpredictability because, you know, you think of a musician's lifestyle and on the outside, it looks very glamorous. It looks fun. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, it uh, does. <laughs> it fools a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, oh, you, you, you know, my, my wife refers to that as uh, the living the dream syndrome because, yeah. you know, she works with horses and that kind of likewise gets glamorized and sounds fabulous until, you know, it's Christmas Day and you're knee deep in manure trying to keep a horse from dying. And, you know, the, there is the very unglamorous side to it. And I think that's true of all dream jobs. So what are some of the things that, you know, people don't realize about the music business that, that you live with every day and you, you survive and thrive in it? Oh, mine. Uh, that's a big one because there, there, are, there are so many different realities within the music business. And, and uh, first one is the young ones. Um, uh, well, first of all, it's it's a very insecure place to be, and uh, uh, even now that I play in a band that is well established and has a, has a strong following, and and is sort of made it to the point where where we make solid income in an annual level, it still is. Uh, still is sort of like a twisted thing because the money doesn't come from the music anymore. Like if if we would be living in 1980s, I, I would be a millionaire by now. If we'd be living in, in 90s, I'd still make um, quite a lot of money from Korpiklani alone. But we are not living in 80s or 90s. And today... Um, to be honest about it, uh, our traveling costs, our, our expenses are so high that when we go on tour, um, we can barely cover those those expenses. So where does our livelihood come from in, in Korpiklani is from the merchandise. So so it has nothing to do with music. Music just helps us to, to um, sell overpriced T-shirts. <laughs> you know, so so that that tells you already sort of like what has happened in in our society that music like like you know you go on YouTube and you you look a super famous artist and you say that there's 35 million views on that that one one um, one YouTube video uh, it doesn't generate any money you know it it just doesn't. So the, when it generates money is when somebody clicks an ad to something else and makes a purchase, and then you know um, the artist might get uh, two cents out of it. So so that's the whole that's the whole uh, that's the biggest problem of where we are now is that music is no longer content that the masses would buy, but music is used as as something to to draw attention uh, so that we can sell something else. Mm. 
you know, like Spotify, for example. Spotify is a magnificent platform. It's a magnificent user platform for anyone who wants to listen music. And people are willing to pay for that user platform. But not really about the content. Mm. In in that sense, like so ah, so that's just one side of it, you know, like how the industry has changed. But there are great opportunities in it uh just as well. Like for the first time in a in a history of, of music, we are in a in a situation that there are people making a livelihood without being known. Like they they have a niche and they have a follow up of ten thousand twenty thousand people online, and that that follow up is their tribe, and and you know those ten thousand people are willing to pay twenty twenty euros or dollars a year for that artist for something something he or she does, and that just provides an, an enough income to do it, and uh, and you know. In the 80s, you had to be famous. You had to be known to make a living, but not anymore. It's enough that you have a tribe, a tribe of people in a social network who are willing to to support you a little bit. So how do you build that tribe? Because, I mean, like you, at least in the U.S., you know, folk metal is very much a small niche. And especially, you know, a band that, mostly sings in Finnish, a uh, little bit of English. And, you mm-hmm. know, that that is a very tight niche. So how do you build that tribe? Uh, well, not by trying it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't, you know, the story of Korpiklan is very special because um, we really are a very unprofessional bunch of guys when, when it comes to, to marketing or business. Um like we don't plan things, we don't do anything right, and yet we we are quite successful in what we are doing. And sometimes I have a question like, what, where would we be if we would do everything right? You know, if we would follow all the marketing tricks and all the all the good advice out there. You know, if we focus on making the most out of it, where would we be? But then you know, the question is that, would that be honest? Would it be authentic? Would it be us? Because, you know, at the end of the day, maybe our success is just because we do what we love to do and, be, and people sense it. They sense that, that we are being real. So, you know, if we have a brilliant marketing strategy and, and beautiful photos and an active campaigns of this and that, we'd look just like every other band out there. In that respect. So now in all the things that we do wrong, <laughs> I, you know, I can at least say that we are doing them honestly. And, and we, are, we are bringing in something that is authentic and something that we ourselves have a lot of fun doing, like real fun, not the glamour fun, which is not fun at all. <laughs> but... But, you know, real fun. And and real fun is about the joy of living this madness. You know, it's not easy. Like, it's not easy to, to, to 
be be at 4 a.m. in an airport loading all the gear in and and you know 20 hours without sleep uh, hit the stage and play you know to play a show it's definitely not easy but there's something there's something that is just in the in the absurdity of all of it and in in the madness of all of it you get to witness this world from from a point of view which is very privileged mm. you know and as long as you remember that you you'll start to make amazing connections with people and quite magical things happen on a way and uh you you just have a lot of high points and a lot of low points but not that many sort of okay moments mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know that comes to a whole philosophy of life you know if you want to have a secure life and and you know you are happy with that you'll never be a musician mm. you know yeah. And, you know, it, it reminds me, I used to, to travel a lot as a consultant and there, there was this just kind of, I don't know if motto is the right word in the back of my head, but it was just the idea of the, no bad days. Like the, the yeah. clients do not care how my day is going. They, they are paying me yeah, to show they up. Don't. Yeah, they don't. Same, and, same with us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you mentioned that, you know, you, you've been up for 20 hours, you've set up all the gear and everyone is expecting you to come out and you have to come across as though it's the most important show you've ever done and full on enthusiasm. And and that's really hard to do. You know, almost any other job, you can have a bad day. Yeah. But, but everyone in the crowd there is expecting something different than they're expecting when they go down to the local market to buy something. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a different level. And, how do you do that? How do you play with full enthusiasm, even in those moments where maybe you'd much rather just be asleep? Well, uh, first of all, you really got to love it again. You know, we are back in that passionate attitude towards what it, what is it that you really do? Like, there has to be something in what you do that really fires you up. And to me, that is all about alignment you know um when i when i wake up in a day i am either aligned with things that inspire or i'm aligned with things that that uh, bring me down so uh there has to be like a conscious practice of of stepping over those moments and just find the alignment you know, find the alignment where where it is that actually gives you a lot of energy. And personally, uh, as uh, as uh, I worked a lot with indigenous people, and shamanism has become very uh, important part of my life. I have I have a lot of tricks how to how to fine tune myself into that alignment. And that alignment for me comes from being aligned with nature. You know. Thinking back to not not thinking thinking the petty lives that we all live, you know, like every one of us can wake up in the morning and find the undone dishes lying everywhere. So you know that's the petty lives that all of us live. 
no matter how glamorous. And uh, so there's, there's this way that I have that I connect with nature. I, you know, I can take a glass of water and just remember that that water is, is the same water that was here already when all life began. You know, that water has been circulating in the universe. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't evaporate through the, through the galaxy. It stays here. It just circles here all over and over again. So with those kind of things, I can take myself away from, from petty little, little things, petty meaningless things, and find in myself an alignment with, some, with those basic elements of life that are much bigger than myself. Wow. So those are like little things that, you know, are part of my daily practice. But now if we talk, talk about doing a show, there's so much more over there. And one of the beautiful benefits that we have as a musicians when we are successful is that people have such a high expectation on us. And that expectation actually aligns them in receiving something uh, greater than life. And the more expectation the crowd has, the easier it is to fulfill those ex expectations. So they come in expecting a lot, and because of that, they, they, they take away a they lot. Are, they are aligned to receive a lot. You know, they are already in the mindset, it's great to be here. I'm loving it. You know, I'm, I'm absolutely enthused to see this band. So when you walk in, when you walk on the stage, that expectation blows up. All of it blows up, you know, and expands enormously. Like, like you, you get like that sense that, that you, know, you know, I basically just walk on stage and, and 10,000 people are cheering. Uh, in a big festival here in Europe. So, you know, the, the, that, is, that is like a moment where we come together, their expectations and their alignment to receive something great meets with our being, being there on stage and, and starting to do what we love to do. Mm. And, and there is so much alignment for the things that you love present right there that you practically cannot fail. The only way you can fail there is that you yourself start to focus on something that is not important. <laughs> and, and, you know, something that kills your alignment. And that can happen, and it, it sometimes happens. Some shows are a struggle, but then that's the matter of professionality. Do you show that struggle that you have on that day? Do you show it to, to the audience or, or, or you don't? And, uh, you know, uh, every once in a while there are shows that you don't find that alignment in, in yourself and you don't have that energy, and, but you just got to do it. You just have to do it because, of, because you can't let so many people down, yeah. you know? So you, you just have to do the responsible thing and take care of the enthusiasm that others have. And, and if you manage to do it, it's always rewarding. It's always very rewarding. 
But on a good night, all this happens automatically. You are just aligned with what you love. You are aligned with what those people expect. And it's just a dance, you know, it's just like, just a dance together, you know, like we do this, you react like that, you know, your response feeds us, what we do feeds you. And this sort of, sort of like big moment of, of community that happens there, it's just so magical and it gives you so much energy that it doesn't matter if you've slept or not. You know, the show is only, you know, 45 minutes or 90 minutes, sometimes two hours. So, you know, uh, you know, all of us can, can give the best for 60 minutes in any condition. <laughs> if, if we find the alignment for what we love. Yeah, I've never thought about it that way. You know, one of the things I've noticed is that bands, like you mentioned, playing in front of, you know, tens of thousands at a festival, and then coming to a really small venue of maybe only a few hundred people. And it would be easy for, I think, for a band to feel like that's beneath them, or, you know, it's just another night, it's gas money for the next stop. And, And yet, the bands that are able to bring the the amount of output and energy and connection it takes to really connect and interact with the audience the way you're talking about when there's tens of thousands of people when that gets compressed into a small venue it it becomes almost overpoweringly intimate it, it it's an amazing absolutely. absolutely i mean uh out of the close to 100 shows i did the last year 2018 the one that that I think was the most, was the best, the highlight of of uh, of the year for me was in September. We were on a Russian tour, and we played in Omsk, in a, in a, really in the middle of nowhere, and uh, we we played there before two two years ago, and we had about four hundred people in, and uh, this year we had maybe less than a hundred and you know before the show started we were like what's going on where's everybody you know like what have we done wrong to not uh, you know to not to get the same people that we we had last time so uh so uh but what happened during the show was that after after one or two songs Everybody who was there was making the most out of it. And uh, people started smiling. People were radiant. You know, their eyes were just, you know, glowing and radiant. And all of those hundred people, they came together in a most unexpected way. And everything they did and everything we did happened spontaneously at the same time we were so in sync with those people we were breathing in the same time our heartbeats were in sync you know if someone smiled everybody smiled if someone wanted to jump everybody started jumping and that sense that intense sense of a community of a connection was something that I honestly believe that none of us walked away from that evening unchanged. Like every single one of us felt 
a, a connection to each other that we haven't felt in a long, long time, maybe never. And once you have this kind of an experience, you can't go back and to be and be the same person you were before. You know, something changes in you, and uh, that is the magic. You know, that's the magic that that stays with me for for years. Like I'm sure I will remember this one night in Omsk for a very long time. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you, you know, what well, we were talking before we started recording just a little bit, and you'd mentioned the idea of social joy. Is that what you're getting at there, that, that connection between the crowd? Yeah, well, that that's like a, one of the big things in, in my life. You know, like a lot of the... A lot of the business coaches talk about knowing your value and and uh, knowing how to put a price tag on what you do and so on and so on. But that's really not enough. You know, you can know your value. You can, you can price yourself perfectly. But if there's no interaction, there's, there's nothing. So at the end of the day, all the value comes from exchange. And exchange is always a social process. And uh, in my own life, uh, I've had this kind of, uh, I've taken a lot of things too seriously. <laughs> like way too seriously. And, uh, and uh, that has sort of like created a lot of struggle in, in my own business like a lot of expectations that I take too seriously that in order to this, in order, you know, my motivation to do this is, is to get there or, or to, to, you know, or, well, that's basically it. You know, my motivation for now is to get something done over there. And uh, this is not a very healthy place of exchange because, there's no joy. It's just dependency. Hmm. Right. You know, it's like people got to find your product. People got to understand your value. No, who, who wants to listen to that? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does become very dry and um, inhuman. Yeah. So for me, a big shift was that when I realized that what am I actually lacking in my my like in in my own efforts and, and on, in my own business is, is social joy. I'm taking things way too seriously, and I shifted my focus from this um, so that I I made the social joy one of the top priorities of my daily choices. Of what I do, you know, what business decisions do I do? What gigs do I say yes and what gigs do I say no? I made the social joy to be number one or number two on 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 the decision making process, and it has changed everything. Just everything. First of all, I don't have a need to be that serious anymore. <laughs> I have a way more fun in what I'm doing. And people, again, people react to that, that it's authentic, it's real, you know, it's my joy. And joy is captivating, you know, it's, it's like, 
it's compelling. You know, it's like I want to have a piece of that too. I want to, mm. I want to be in the same playground with you because you you seem to have a lot of fun. And these kind of things have just brought so much purpose on on everything that I do. Mm. And the beauty is that it's it's an immediate reward. It's an immediate reward. You know, like um, like after the show, you see you see those people who were most taken about the about the evening, who who are most joyous, who are like bursting from the experience because it was so much fun. You know, to go there and connect with those people and and say that yes thank you you know you made it you made it you made our day you know you know for you you know our only purpose to come to your little town is to make you to feel like you do now so you know because of your joy because of your joy we've done we've done something right you know that's that's the mentality that i have and you know it is simply so rewarding. It is so rewarding to to meet with people who are happy and joyous from what you've just done. It's an amazingly beautiful experience. You know, it, it, it's funny because you know, thinking about it, even just on a business or a transactional level, you know, no one ever says, "Yes, I want to be around that person." They are so intense and serious all the time. Yeah. And, you know, we, we like to be, we naturally like to be around people who are joyous, who are happy, who are inviting and inclusive. And, and I think we, we often miss that because we do get so serious about things. Uh, but you also touched on some, something else there. So one, I mean, that's just easy to miss. And yet our customers, our fans, whoever they are, you know, they don't connect with us if we're not enjoying ourselves. They when, exactly. when, we, when we enjoy ourselves, they, they enjoy themselves and there's that connection. But I also love just what you were talking about there of using this idea of joy as a way of making decisions, life decisions, business decisions, can't even get the word out. Um, you, you know, really that being the filter of what's going to bring me into alignment, what's going to bring me joy, what's going to connect with a passion. I mean, I, for me, that just really tied together all the conversation we've been having here. Yeah. Well, uh, I can give you another, like, an example of that shift in thinking. Yeah. Um, uh, with Korbiklani, the Lahti Symphony Orchestra, which is one of the top five symphony orchestras in Finland, contacted us that their brass section would love to do something together with us. You know, their only motivation in that request was social joy. Hmm. They weren't asking for money. They weren't asking for anything. They were just saying, guys, it would be really super cool to do something together with you. Well, now I am the only one who who is capable of doing brass arrangements for, for you know, for for... Because the other guys, they don't, they they're not educated as composers. They they would be lost thinking the trans uh, the the different ways of writing to different instruments and putting notes on a paper and so on. And uh, and for me, that's not a problem. But it it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. So I said no. 
I said no two years ago for that because I was thinking, my, my way of my thinking was that that's a lot of work. Um, I have time management issues. I don't seem to find a way to do that, to pull that off. And I mean, it would be super cool. It would be really cool. But no, don't have the time. Well, now that I have the social joy as my priority, I was looking at it differently. I was like, wait a second. I have like the one of the best players, one of the best brass sections in a whole country who wants to work with me out of a joy. So maybe this is something important. Maybe this is actually something that I should prior, prioritize. And I decided that, yes, I'll do that. And, you know, I found that time to do those things. And uh, then uh, I didn't find enough of time. I, I called a friend of mine and, and said, that I, said that, would you help me out? I'm in a little bit of a time pressure here. I, I need two arrangements done. Like, could you help me out? And he's screaming on a phone like, can I? Can I, can I really write for those guys? And I'm like, well, you know, you it, it would be a lot of help for me if you could. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and this, you know, there was this expansion of joy that that's that started from that saying yes to it. And you know, we played in front of thirty thousand people in the Czech Republic last summer with those guys from the Lahti Symphony Orchestra. And was that a blast? You know, like it was really one of the best experiences of my own life. I wasn't getting paid, but, you know, I have a memory that I will remember, you know, to my deathbed and, and be grinning and saying, yes, that was worth it. <laughs> and, you know, just the pleasure of hearing, hearing uh, and performing those arrangements live, you know, uh, how many how many musicians get to get to even to that point that somebody actually plays what they've written on paper? And you know who knows where this leads to. Now we are playing eight shows in Finland, and the brass guys are just insisting to come along. You know they are paying all of their own expenses just to be there and play with us. So you know again we are for free for for the joy we are capable of offering our Finnish fans something absolutely unique, uh, something they don't expect, and something that will totally blow them out, blow them, blow, blow their heads off, you know. So, uh, and with no cost, with absolutely no cost. You have any idea what would it cost if I would call the intendant of Lahti Symphony Orchestra and, and say that I need five of your brass players to come to this gig next Sunday? You know, do you have any idea what the price that would be? No, not, not a bit. <laughs> you, know? you know, so so all this is just generating itself. And down at the end of the day, if we go, if we want to look at the numbers that, that we have, like on a business side, like what, what are the dollars coming in? How do we know? How do we know how many albums more were sold because of this? How do we know? There's absolutely no way to know that, but we can be sure, we can be absolutely sure that we've given more than people expected. And everybody here in a business side understands 
the value of of being capable of pulling that trick off. You know, that's something that I, I think gets missed so much, just that the opportunity creates opportunity creates opportunity. You know, it, it expands and it if it were done on a dollars and cents spreadsheet decision, it would make no sense because like you say, there's no way of calculating how many, how many, how many more albums that you made in, you know, 2013 did you sell because of this thing you did in Czechoslovakia with the brass section? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, exactly. And, and you got to do something that that was joyous. I mean, that, Things build on things. What I mean by that is, you know, I, I, I often talk about it. I love meeting interesting people because they always know more interesting people. Um, yeah. it, you know, when you're focused on creating joy, that just creates more joy. It just cascades out in the opportunity. And I think that's such a great example of it. Like where they reached out to you and then you've got other people. You're, <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate that story where you're like, hey, do you have time? Could you do it? And they're like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, for real, can I, can I, for real? <laughs> and, you know, and, and you know, also a reminder of the, just the things that sometimes seem like worse work to us. There's always someone out there that would, you know, just give a kidney to be able to do it. And, yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, th- th- this has been fabulous, uh, Tomas. Um Really enjoy this conversation. Actually, there's more I'd love to ask you about. Sometimes this conversation could go on a really long time, but um, do want to respect your time. Do want want to wrap up here. But you know, two of the questions I always ask people are: How can people find you? And then, how can people help you? You talk about putting out into the world. How how can people help bring that back? Well, I think actually the internet is doing us wonderful things right now because uh, it's shifting our thinking to be more and more community-based. We don't necessarily understand what that community means right now because it's changing and it has changed so fast. But I think that there, you know, the communities that we have and the social networks that we have um they are like shifting our thinking and our our behavior in in a more communal approach to things and uh, and that's exactly how you can um help me out as well like you can you can find me from facebook there's a shaman violin shaman violin um page on facebook so you can like that and and share that and spread the good news and also, um, you can join my email list. Uh, right now, it's the best email list to be because I never post anything. <laughs> so, so, so far, there's there's absolutely no no trouble out of it, and no fear of spam. But but right now, I'm so uh, busy with 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 other works that they're down. Right now, there's not no specific ways to help, but. But just, you know, sharing with joy, you know, like sharing what has moved you and sharing that positive feeling to your friends and and and, uh, and following up what what I do and what we do in Korpiklani and with the shaman violin. You know, that alone, that alone is a big thing. Excellent. Well, this has been fantastic. Um, 
I knew it would be an interesting conversation, and it, it went even deeper and better than than I could have guessed. Um, Good. Yeah. That's, let, let, you know, that's what I like. <laughs> Go over the expectations. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the, I, I always enjoy connecting the, the, the philosophical with the practical, and yeah. uh, all that we've been talking about, I think, does that very, very well. So uh, anyway, thank you very much again. This has been fabulous. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'd love to know what was your biggest takeaway? What were the points that inspired you? What would have been your biggest lessons? What are you going to take and apply in your own life? And I know I just asked you about four or five questions right there in a row, but they're all really basically the same question. You know, what are you going to take from this conversation that you just listened to and apply into your own life to help you get unstuck, help you get out of your own way, help you move forward, help you live and operate your business or operate your career with even more impact. I'd love to know. Uh, you can send me an email, Imperfect Action Podcast. That's all one word, Imperfect Action Podcast at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at Brock Edwards. That's at B R O C E D W A R D S. You can leave comments on the website. Uh, so many different ways to let me know, but I do want to hear from you.